This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Here you go. Here you go. Infuriated. That's the nothing personal word of the day for February 15th, 2024. Four, eight, six, nine. Exasperated. That's the nothing personal word of the day for February 15th, 2024. Okay, ready? Four, eight, nine. Resignated. That's the nothing personal word of the day for February 15th, 2024. I could take 12 minutes right now and go through all of the words of the day that I've been thinking of with Coca since the shooting took place at the Chiefs Super Bowl parade. How do I make our show different when you're going to tune into 50 shows today, all of whom are going to use this as an example to get clicks, to get attention, to try to show you their view of how important the Second Amendment is or how absolutely absurd it is what took place, because this is a political issue. The issue that happened yesterday when shots were fired at a parade and someone got shot and killed, 20 people injured, absolute mayhem, a mother who was there with her children to witness a Super Bowl championship parade. It is like the old days of ticker tape parades when people would dress up and you see teams going down Broadway just to be able to get a piece of them. When I was in a parade, a championship parade as the president of a team, the amount of thought I gave, and this is 21 years ago, the amount of thought I gave to being shot at or having shots fired during the middle of a parade in Miami was zero, and this is Miami. We had security, of course. The security in my mind that was around us and around the players was to stop the onslaught of people who wanted just a piece of them, of us, an autograph, a picture, a something. I couldn't figure out which way to go because I'm certainly not going thoughts and prayers. The reason I started with infuriated is I was explaining to somebody yesterday how I internalized what took place and I internalized it coming from a space of selfishness of what I used to do for a living. I couldn't look at it as a fan in Kansas City. 
as a player in Kansas City. I looked at it as ownership and the president of the Chiefs. And then I looked at it, how would I deal? What am I thinking about as president of a baseball team? I have gone through with you how I felt about the big events post 9-11, hosting World Series, hosting All-Star Game, World Baseball Classic, telling you that I'm happier at road games, telling you that I'm happier when I'm not responsible for the safety of others, telling you that the highlight of those experiences for me was when the last person was out of the parking garage. And then I started thinking to myself, maybe the word of the day is just pathetic not able to enjoy any moment because all you do is think about all the bad that can happen. And the reason why you think about all the bad that can happen is because all the bad keeps happening. But parades, mass shootings or drugstores, movie theaters. Nah, we got over it, we went back to movies. Tom Cruise, go back to movies. Hijacked airplanes, we're gonna fly again, that won't happen again. Shoe bombers, don't worry, take off your shoes unless you pre-register in your TSA and you can leave your shoes on. About 11 years ago when there was a bombing at the Boston Marathon finish line, I was watching that from Marlins Park with my kill. We had just run the Boston Marathon and we were close with the director of the Boston Marathon, Dave McGilvery. Next year we went Metal detectors around the finish line. That'll take care of it. Well, when we did the Boston Marathon eight years later, the metal detectors were gone around the finish line. And now there was just increased security. People take reactive measures to what happens. And then slowly things return to normal, quote unquote. Yeah, it happened once. That can't happen again. We'll, we're going to put up a cross you see those on the side of the road with people get killed by DUI. We're going to put up some sort of stone, memento, memory about events that take place. On this parade route, there will certainly be some sort of plaque for this mother of two who died during surgery for a gunshot wound at a damn championship parade. When we spent time preparing for these championship parades, we talked about route, we talked about how many police were needed in order to get the cars going safely, how, do, how many cars do we need, which players are assigned to which cars, then the rally, who's on stage, where everyone sits on stage, who speaks first, who speaks second, how we get public transportation, how many buses are available, metro movers, whatever the case may be. The police are prepped. They're on the lookout, they're bomb dogs. Of course, they're thinking about the possibility, but you actually think there's gonna be an active shooter? And then the alert came yesterday. I don't wanna hear that Kansas City has a lot of homicides. And it's not safe, not interested in that. I'm more interested in the continued defense of those who believe that guns are the answer. Hiding behind the Second Amendment. I am continuing to rummage in my head at three or four in the morning. I didn't even watch a movie last night. I just sat there 
I sat there wondering to myself, is it worth it? Would I wanna be in this business anymore? Do I wanna talk about this? Do people watching Nothing Personal even care? Are they so desensitized that a shooting at a championship parade is just another Tuesday? We hear about it and then move on. Because it's true. This will be the topic today, and then we'll get to talk about the fact that the Niners fired their defensive coordinator and the fact that baseball spring training has started. We have to provide entertainment. That's what Metalark or CBS or NBC or The Ringer, The Volume, Omaha, Barstool, any platform you want. We're here for entertainment to make sure that people can escape from reality. Is that it? Is that what I want to do? Is that really what I'm going to do with my platform? Is that what you're going to do with your day? Just have it not matter? Yeah, it didn't happen in my city. How do you think the people in Kansas City are doing? Good? Think they feel good? The owner of the team and the president of the team had to come out with a statement on the day of the parade. They had to meet their PR people, call their crisis PR people, and come out with a statement having nothing to do with their championship. Their social media people had to tweet it. Not pictures of the parade, not memories of what should be an amazing moment for a team to celebrate. Instead, they have to say we're truly saddened by the senseless act of violence that occurred outside of Union Station at the conclusion of today's parade and rally. We are in close communication with the mayor's office. At this time, we have confirmed that all of our players, coaches, staff, and their families are safe and accounted for. And I had a flashback like a PTSD to the frantic nature of the morning Jose Fernandez died, where there were three of us reaching out to every player on the Braves and the Marlins to see if anyone else died in the boating accident, or was it just Jose? And we had a, a sheet where we were marking people as not dead. Later, we found out there were a bunch of players who were supposed to be on that boat. That's what the Chiefs were doing yesterday. They had a bunch of people calling all players, making sure they could reach them and confirming that they were not shot and not in the hospital. Like marking them as safe during a natural disaster. There is nothing natural about this disaster. The great news from yesterday is that the criminals who did the shooting aren't dead. Yes, that is great news. The reason why it's great news is that we will be able to get in a forensic psychologist, we're able to get in police detectives, professionals, and find out exactly what happened, what the guns were, and then the criminal justice system will get to decide how much air they ever get to breathe again, not behind bars. Whether it's a minute, a day, or no more days ever in their life. And the sports world is left realizing that the crossover between sports and the political issues not manifested by end racism that they put on their helmets or choose love or all the commercials that are done to try to stop poverty. 
There is no greater issue facing us than the issue of gun control. And I say that with full knowledge that Roe v. Wade was overturned by this Supreme Court and how absolutely insanely in favor I am of a woman's right to choose. I say that knowing that there are real issues that face people economically, physically, mental health, physical health. How do I put gun control this high up on my issue list? Because of my experience, because of what I did for a living or because of the gut feeling I have inside that no matter how much, how many fights are gotten into with fists, doesn't lead to a mass shooting. No matter how many people go to drug deals gone bad, without guns, there aren't shootings. No matter how many people want to get attention, no matter how sick they are mentally, you bring a knife into a church, into a movie theater, you're gonna hurt some people, you may kill some people, but it's not gonna be sending hundreds of people into mass panic. You will have people like you had in Kansas City who attacked one of the shooters purportedly. It's a video, we don't know if it's one of the shooters, if it's one of the people who was detained. Unclear, too much to be found out still. I don't like when I have to spend all night, I'm happy not to sleep and watch content, but when I have to spend all night trying to figure out what do I do with this audience, how do I feel about the size of the audience and the way we talk to you without Oh, don't talk politics, you lose 50% of your audience. Horse hockey. You're not coming here for me to tell you about the X's and O's. You're coming here so you can think to yourself, well, David has a point of view that you should not be thinking about gun violence at a championship parade. Let's start with that. Do I disagree with that? If you disagree with that statement, that's it. It's like one of those flow charts. You shouldn't have to worry about gun violence at a championship parade for your favorite team. If yes, then we move on to other questions. If no, you move on to other questions. If you're one of the people who believes that you don't wanna worry about it, great, let's keep going. How do you not worry about it? Now we get into another part of the flow chart. What is the right of people to bear arms? What does it mean? A well-regulated militia? Nah, let's not get into Second Amendment. Let's make it even easier. Does the Second Amendment say that automatic weapons should be easily gotten by anybody outside of a well-regulated militia? Or even inside, we could argue. Oh, you don't want to think that way? All right, I got a better one. In what world is it where people should have access to guns without proper holding periods, without proper licenses, without proper regulation. Obviously, no one can think that. But David, if you have people with access to guns of any kind and they do it the legal way, they pass the background check, they hold on for the waiting period, and then they show up to a championship parade and start shooting at each other. How do you avoid that? What are we putting metal detectors in front of everything like they did at the Boston Marathon? Should we have metal detectors the way we do going into games? We should have it for every street. You can't have a big gathering 
There should be metal detectors. We should invent something where the entire block is just a big metal detector and then have people anxious about whether they can bring their vape and their lighter past it. All right, I'll give you the solution. Take the guns away. Turn me off. Do it. I'm not going to make less money. You'll miss some good topics and some good shows. Why can't we disagree on something and have you still respect the show and enjoy the show? Why can't the bosses that be at various companies let someone say something like I just said and not say, we're going to take your show away? There's kids in the hospital today in Kansas City. All they were doing was watching their favorite team in a parade. I was thinking about a non-sports parade as well. Remember in Illinois, the non-sports, maybe it was a July 4th parade when people were shot in like a suburb in Illinois. They were just watching a July 4th parade. I guess parades are now going to be virtual. Maybe we'll use the Apple Vision Pro to pretend we're at a parade. Maybe the answer is in 20 years, no one will gather for anything. Everything can be done virtually. Is this the world we want? All of this happened six years to the day. Valentine's Day, the day for love. Six years to the day after the Parkland shooting. For those of us who lived in Florida, the Parkland shooting is something you can never forget. You will never forget. For those of you outside of Florida, you read about it and you say, wow, that's horrible. And then you move on with your day past the Brussels sprouts. Parents of kids have told me at davidsampsonpodcast.com or told me in various places, just what, what, see me on the street. I've had people talk to me about this. The fear they have of their kids going to school. It happened in New York after the war against Hamas. There was a day that was rumored to be Hamas is going to get all the Jews. And there were people who wanted to keep their kids home from Jewish school or any school. We're not going to give these people any victory at all. I don't want to give any oxygen to the people who committed the crimes, to the people who start the wars. I want to give oxygen to the kids who live the rest of their life having survived this with a trauma that doesn't go away. You with your guns ruined it for someone else and violated my principal rule, live and let live. You want to have a gun? Shoot it at cans in your backyard. You've ruined the lives of all of these people in Kansas City. And even the people who weren't shot are traumatized and God knows when they'll be able to go back into crowds. And it was a celebration of a championship. Maybe infuriated was the word. We'll be right back. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. 
Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. I never know what to do after a segment like that, Coca. We take a break, but during the break, am I supposed to then do exactly what I can't stand? Hey, wait to see when I tell you something's gonna happen, when it does great, when it doesn't, fine. Justin Verlander stinks. I have these stories I, I wanna get to because they're interesting, so here I go. Hi, I'm not doing the stroke test because I happen to feel totally fine right now. I'm David Sampson. All right, since I'm doing that, I gotta do it anyway, right? All right, I'm good. I'm going to do exactly what makes me insane. Pass the spinach. Man, Coca, it feels wrong. Justin Verlander yesterday when the Mets reported said, you know, I don't feel so great. Shoulders a little barky. I'm behind schedule. Do you remember what team Verlander plays for? He plays for the Astros, but he's getting paid by the Mets and the Astros. The New York Mets are paying him 22, uh, are paying him 20 million and the Astros are paying him 22 million. So he's making about $42 million this year. And Justin Verlander has this contract that the Mets gave him, which included a player option for next season. But this type of player option is called the vesting option. It's not like a player option who can just say, hey, I feel like picking it up, I get to pick it up. In order for the player to make the money in 2025, he's gotta pitch 104 innings, 140 innings. If he pitches 140 innings, then he can say, you know what? I'm gonna pick up this player option and it's gonna be for $35 million next year. And if that happens, the New York Mets have to give the Astros half of that. The New York Mets are highly incentivized for Justin Verlander to not pitch 140 innings for the Houston Astros this year, and it's not having anything to do with competition on the field. They are so highly incentivized that they may want to spike his soup. The good news is I don't think they'll have to worry because Verlander is behind for opening day and he didn't want to say it, so I'll say it. Justin Verlander will start the season on the injured list. Wait to see. By the way, Coca, that's an official wait to see. Justin Verlander will not be in the Astros rotation to start the season. He will start the season on the injured list. Book it on this February 15th. But then when he misses a month of the season, which he will because he's missing this entire ramp up, so he has to start from zero, then the count will be on. Now, the interesting thing is that the Astros and their new manager, Joe Espada, 
who has been very busy sitting down with Josh Hader and Ryan Presley and giving the closing job to Josh Hader and telling the best postseason closer of all time, welcome to the eighth inning. <laughs> That's a great meeting to have. Don't believe what you read. That was not had just now. When Josh Hader signed with the Astros, he knew he was closing. And when Ryan Presley got the call prior to Josh Hader signing, the Astros called Ryan Presley before they signed Josh Hader. They are not so bad at what they do. Hey, we'll talk about it during spring training. No, it's not how it works. I mean, the player might lie to you. Hanley Ramirez lied to me, telling me that he'd be happy to let Jose Reyes play shortstop. I remember exactly where I was. No problem. Get Jose here. It'd be great for the team. I'll move to third base and I'll love it. And I believed him. It turned out he was lying to me. And it ended up being a disaster because Hanley was angry and miserable. Don't worry. A-Rod will go play third. I want to win a championship. Got to let Jeet stay at short. wonder whether Ryan Presley said the same thing. I'm No worries. I'm happy to have Hater close. So the Astros have incentive to get Verlander to 140 innings this year because having a pitcher at $17.5 million, no matter that he's 57 years old, the way, just remember, Lance Lynn got 11. When Lance Lynn gets $11 million, you are more than happy to have Verlander at 17.5. The Mets, of course, are incentivized not to get Justin Verlander to 140 innings because they don't want to pay 17 and a half of his 35 million. So this is going to be awesome as it plays out during the course of the season. Though, of course, it's not going to play out until at least a month into the season. Signing pitchers is a fool's game. Now, Verlander is actually a great example of a long-term deal. His last long-term deal was terrific, pre-Mets. Max Scherzer's long-term deal with Detroit, outstanding. Very, very few of these deals am I in favor of because mathematically they just don't work. Like everyone who's so excited about Yamamoto, he is going to be the greatest. Let's watch the Dodgers. There is zero chance he will be productive for the course of his entire decade-long deal. Zero. Zero. Mark my words. The other thing that you find in a fortune cookie after you win a World Series, when you're not worried about issues at a parade, is you cannot have a rational exuberance as it relates to signing one of the players who got you the ring. Believe me, it's hard when Pudge Rodriguez signs with Detroit after winning a World Series in Miami. It's hard. It's hard to run your team the way it's supposed to be run, trading Derek Lee when you get the most you can for him. It's hard. God bless the Washington Nationals. They won the World Series in 2019. At the time, Ted Lerner, an absolute mentor, loved him, still alive. Scott Boris knocks on Ted's door and says, hey, you got the World Series MVP as a free agent. You got to sign him. You have to sign him. Oh, no, we want him. We want him. Steven Stroudsburg has been an injury problem his entire career, and he happened to be healthy for the World Series drive. And he was, when he's healthy, he's just, he's incredible. But if you don't have your health, what do you have? Strasburg signed a $245 million deal in December of 19, two months after the Nationals won the World Series. 
We've talked about this contract ad nauseum because it is the single worst contract in the history of all sports. The number one is the Boris Strausberg contract, and I blame the Nationals. Steven Strausberg is still owed $105 million of that deal. Steven Strausberg has one win since he signed that deal in December of 19. He started eight total games in 2020, 21, 22, 23, three seasons plus a COVID season, eight games. He's thrown 528 pitches. He's done. He will never pitch again. I've told you that. Why are we bringing this up again? In September, it was this big announcement, Strasbourg to retire, celebrations to be had. And then all of a sudden, there was a problem. There was a leak. They had no deal cut with Strasbourg for him to retire. The owner came out and said, we look forward to seeing Steven when we report to spring training. Up yours, Boris, and screw you, Steven. We can't even remember the World Series title it was so many years ago. We don't want to pay you what we owe you. We want to get over the fact and fix the fact and cure the fact that we were prize fools for signing you to that deal. And we are not in a position where paying you makes sense. Strasburg stands up and says, it's a guaranteed deal. This ain't the NFL, baby. Pay me my money down. That's for you, Jason Stark. I promised Jason I'd work in a Springsteen lyric into today's show, and that was before what happened in Kansas City. Didn't think it was even going to be possible. Found a way to do it. Ding. Towels in room four. Pink Panther. Ding. How do you not pay a player when you've given them a guaranteed deal? You can negotiate and say, hey, Steven, could you do me a favor and retire? Steven would say, I'm not going to retire. If I retire, I don't get any money. Did you know that when you retire and you've got money left on your deal, you do not get the money left on your deal when you voluntarily retire. So players don't voluntarily retire. You can go to a player and say, hey, can we figure out how to redo the payments just to help us so we're not paying you all this money. Let's spread it out over 40 years instead of over 10 years. And the Nationals have deferred so much of this money already but the player has the right to say no. How does this work? When you make an offer to a player to amend a guaranteed contract, the player goes to the agent, the agent goes to the union, the union does a calculation. What is the impact to the guarantee by redoing the payments? That's when you start with the assumption of discount rates. And if the player's union uses a discount rate, that shows that the amount of money that the player will get is $1 less than what the player was promised at signing, the players union will say, no, thank you. Players will be allowed to redo their contracts only if they do not give up $1 of guarantee. What the nationals and what the owners and what baseball always tries to do is say, hey, you didn't give us anything for your contract. Aren't you willing to renegotiate it? Please. When you have to do like pretty please with sugar on top, do you know what that actually means? It means you have no legal standing whatsoever. The Nationals have no legal standing whatsoever. Here's what the Nationals can do. They can make Steven Strasburg keep doing his job. And I love it. 
the GM of the Nationals, Mike Rizzo, came out just yesterday. And he said, hey, Strasburg's locker's here. He's re we're ready for him to come to spring training. We know he's hurt, but he's come here. We'll do some rehab, get him ready. We'll put him on the 60-day IL, get the roster spot back. Right now, he's on the 40-man roster. Costing a player a job. But Steven will get put on the 60-day IL. When you're on the 60-day IL, we've got you. Rehab in Florida. Actually, we'd like to see you in Washington. Turns out Steven didn't go to Washington much last year, but the Nationals can make him come every single day. Strasburg can grieve it all he wants to the union. They can take a grievance. We have an injured player. We have the right to tell the injured player where that player needs to rehab. Very often, we want the injured player rehabbing at spring training or rehabbing where they live. But if we wanted to, and we were angry, we could say, hey, be at the ballpark every single day. By the way, come on the road with us too. We're bringing rehab with us on the road. What the Nationals are doing is saying, we want Steven around because he's so good with younger players. We want him as a mentor. What a bunch of horse hockey. The Nationals don't want Strasburg around. They don't want to be reminded of a bad signing of a glory time that was and now is not any longer. They're doing this until Strasburg renegotiates his deal and then he can retire. In the meantime, Rizzo has to say, we treat him like every other player on the 40-man roster. Yeah, okay. <sighs> Let me tell you what's going to happen. There's going to be a settlement here because Steven Strasburg is not going to show up to spring training. You cannot find players for not showing up to spring training until like around my birthday, around February 26th. This is still voluntary, like the 14th and 15th and 16th. But there is a day under the CBA when players have to show up. And after that, you're allowed to find him. But the fine, believe you me, it's a pittance. Steven Strasburg could take one day of pay and pay all the fines and say, screw you, I'm not coming ever. Steven Strasburg will not set foot in Palm Beach. It's simply not going to happen. Except in a retirement press conference announcement, which the Nationals, if they're smart, will do in Washington to sell some tickets and not do it spring training. So in the meantime, there'll be negotiations. If Strasburg and Boris are reasonable, which is about as likely as me dunking a basketball on a regulation size hoop. But there may be stools or trampolines involved, so you never know. So if a deal is cut, then he may come to spring training for a couple of days, be a mentor, be in uniform, and then have a retirement ceremony as they thought they would last year, they'll have it this year. If they refuse to negotiate, then I hope the Nationals go all the way. I hope they make Steven Strasburg show up every single day, go on every single road trip and fine him to the maximum amount allowable under the CBA if he doesn't do his job. Do I blame Steven Strasburg for taking the money offered to him by the Nationals? No, but you got the money. You knew that you were not. This is gonna be controversial, Coca. Did you know that there are players who sign long-term deals who are able to pass physicals who know they're still hurt? and are in no way gonna be able to fulfill the terms of their contract? I'm just curious. Did anyone know that? 
Yeah, that happens. Bad on us, not bad on the player. How many of you try to get contracts from your employers when you have no idea what you're doing with the job, but you pretend you did? Oh, I know exactly how to use machine X, Y, and Z. Give me the higher hourly paid job. You show up and say, God, hmm, is there a manual for this thing? I don't begrudge you for doing that. Get what you can. So spring training is starting. Let's do a wait to see. Kevin Brown, not the pitcher. Remember the broadcaster who got suspended by the Orioles for telling you the truth about on screen and their performance against a team? And then it became such an absolute disaster. And then they brought him back and I said to you, Kevin Brown is gonna stay with the Orioles because they're gonna sign him to a deal and it'll be a really good deal. That was back on August 14th, 2023. It was just announced that that same Kevin Brown did sign that deal with the Orioles. Told you, wait to see, book it. So today is Thursday, the 15th. Happy birthday to those who celebrate. 11 days shy of Lawrence Taylor for me. I'm telling you, Coke, I do not think I'll be able to do a regular show on my birthday. I think it's on a Monday this year. Uh, and I'll explain why on that day, but spoiler alert, uh, Lawrence Taylor was always my favorite player and on the field. And I viewed his uniform number as a number that indicated the end of the road. So on Thursdays, we review a movie that is based on my top 100 list and we do it randomly. And last week I told you that I was gonna watch again and review Arthur. Arthur's a movie starring Dudley Moore, John Gilgood, and Liza Minnelli about a son of a very rich, rich family who is a playboy who doesn't work for a living, who's an absolute alcoholic. No one plays alcoholic better than Dudley Moore. The reason why I have it ranked number 90 on my top 100 list is you will not find a movie and it ages extremely well. I watched it again this week. The Russell Brand Arthur forget, do not watch. Arthur two on the rocks, do not watch. Just watch the original Arthur. It is a masterclass in acting by Dudley Moore, by John Gilgood, Ted Ross as Bitterman. Makes you think about what you would do, how spoiled you may be, and whether or not in actuality, it's not money that matters the most. At the end of the day, it's love. It's no surprise that I've been after love my entire life, thinking about it, dreaming about it, wondering about it, able to attain it, not able to attain it, thinking I attained it thinking twice again about having attained it, totally screwing it up, being the master of self-sabotage. Plus the theme song, Christopher Cross. It's the number one movie song of all time. Just watch it. Arthur, you're never, never say never. I don't think you're gonna leave my top 100. All right, Coca, we need a number for next week. Thank you again to our Eric, who did this number generator for us. So we get to choose what we're gonna do next. All right, bang it. Yes, I'm doing this today. I will be reviewing next week my number six all-time movie, a movie that I want every single one of you to watch. If you haven't already, and if you have watched it again, Shawshank Redemption, boom. Number six on my list of top 100. And I've not watched it start to finish, I would say in two years, maybe three years. 
I will be watching it. Thank you, Coca. All right, let's talk about what happened last night in the NBA. Hard to imagine. There has been a player arrested for assault because of a pregame altercation. Last night, Detroit Pistons center Isaiah Stewart was arrested for assault for punching Drew Eubanks at the arena hours before the teams played. Remember how we started the show? No guns involved. Not a lot of death can happen. I mean, it can in WMMA, et cetera. But how is it that assaults that happen on the court are different than assaults that happen off the court? Is there some sort of strange Vatican-like presence that it's its own municipality once you're inside the lines versus outside the lines? How is it that Kermit Washington wasn't charged with the crime? How is it that in order to get charged for a crime for something on the field, you have to have a stick or a bat like in hockey? Remember that guy who was charged for that horrible slash to the face? Aren't fists? That's pretty much the definition of assault. Fights that happen during the game, you get suspended by Adam Silver. You don't get charged. I've always thought players should be charged. If you had a fight, remember the Michigan-Michigan State? In the tunnel, tunnel fights? Pre-game fights? Slap shot, the brothers fighting before the anthem? The Phoenix police issued Stewart a citation. They released him. But I started thinking to myself, what precipitated this? And I don't have an answer. We're gonna find out because something's gonna come out about this. Did Stewart get called something by Eubanks? Do they have some sort of past? Did something happen on the court? What do we do? We pretend we want to keep players apart under the no fraternizing rule. But the truth is we want players apart. Do you remember when, oh, Coca, you're going to have to do this for me. Brain fog, it's the number th th three thing to go. There was a player who went into the outfield, Tommy Pham to Jock Peterson. That's my guess. When he went pregame and slapped him over some sort of fantasy football thing. How's that not a charge? Oh, it was open hand, no problem. The reason we keep players apart is that we don't want anything like this to happen. If it happens teammate on teammate, you know, so be it. We try to keep that in the clubhouse. Generally, the police will not be called for a fight that happens in the clubhouse because we've had them, closed fist and all, but you really try to keep that away. But if you do things in the tunnel in plain view of the media or of fans or someone else, the police are gonna get involved. Should there be a difference between on-court, off-court? My gut tells me there is no difference. It's the heat of competition, I'm told. It doesn't matter. Can you punch your coworker because you're in the heat of working on a very big project and you so vehemently disagree with the way this person is doing their job that you say, you know what, and you cold cock them? That's assault and you're gonna get charged. It may not make our show, but it's gonna happen. Isn't it okay to live in a world where you can't just go up to somebody and punch them? Why, is it, is it such a far ride to the place where you just can't get a gun and use it to kill people? I don't know. It feels like it's the same highway, just different exits. The strange thing that happened is that Monty Williams who's in the middle of a nightmare season for Detroit, nightmare, they may, be the worst team in the league, 
with a coach who's making a ton of money. He said that uh, the thing is to get all of the information, and he's right. The NBA will do an investigation. He's right. For me to come here and make a statement would be irresponsible. He's right. I know the son said it was unprovoked. I think that's irresponsible. Hmm. The Suns came out to defend their own player. What we're taught in the world of statements, not with nothing personal because our statements will try to tell you what they should have said. But what we're taught is to come out and say, like the Suns did, the attack on Drew Eubanks was unprovoked and acts of violence such as this are unacceptable. We unequivocally support Drew and will continue to work with local law enforcement and the NBA. Nope, Matt Ishbia, that's not what we're taught. The statement that should have come out from the Suns, there is no room for this within the National Basketball Association or within our society. We will have no further comment until more information has been gathered by the NBA and the authorities. The reason why you see statements like that is that the NBA or Major League Baseball or the leagues, they don't want teams going against teams with statements. And the Sun statement, how do they know that it was unprovoked? Because Drew, Drew Eubanks obviously told them it was unprovoked. But that doesn't mean it was unprovoked. You don't see that often in an original statement by a team. They can say acts like this are unacceptable, bingo. But to unequivocally support Drew, are you sure? What if Drew did something very bad, very, very bad to Isaiah? Still doesn't make it right to be punched, but you gotta be careful as a team. So the Suns got ahead of themselves. Monty Williams called out the Suns and Adam Silver now has a distraction. The distraction is that he's gotta get to the bottom of who did what and then figure out who's gonna get punished how. The only thing I can guarantee you is someone's getting punished. All right, nothing personal pick of the day. We are up to 24 and 25. We had the Lakers getting five and a half against the Jazz. Were you a chicken? Were you nervous to take the Lakers because LeBron wasn't playing? Don't be. Tonight, we are going with the Bucks 11 and a half over the Grizzlies. The Bucks have been an unmitigated disaster since Doc Rivers took over. They need to get healthy, and there's no better team to get healthy again than those John Morantless Memphis Grizzlies we stinkies. The Bucks will win this game. I had this in my Lamborghini Back to the Future machine. I had this line somewhere around 19.69. So we are certainly taking the Bucks minus 11 and a half over the Grizzlies. I appreciate that you gave me the time today. We will get to the story that I wanted to talk about today, and Coca hates when I promise this, but I wanna talk about Steve Wilkes being let go as the Niners defensive coordinator, and we'll find a way to get to it tomorrow. I appreciate and I'm honored by the time that you give me every day. We will keep going. This is nothing personal.